Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 61 of the IoT for All podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, and today's guest is Sky Matthews, the CTO of IoT at IBM. Sky joins us today to talk about the impact of 5G and new edge computing developments when it comes to the design and development of IoT solutions, specifically relating to the enterprise space. Give you a little background on Sky. He has a great deal of experience working with clients in complex and embedded systems development across many different industries, such as telecom, aerospace, defense, you name it. At IBM, his focus is on the application of AI and analytics in system engineering, designing for IoT, and the creation and management of digital twins. So if you're looking to learn anything about edge computing or the impact that 5G truly is going to have, in our opinions, on the growth and adoption of IoT, this episode is perfect for you. We have very similar beliefs in where 5G is now, where it's going, and how it's going to kind of help this industry as a whole grow, um, and then also how that relates to other connectivity options out there and what we should be thinking about from an application or solutions development standpoint on picking the right type of technology for a particular use case. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Sky Matthews of IBM. All right. Welcome, Sky, to the IoT for All show. How's your week going and how are you dealing with all this Corona um, kind of updates and progress that we're seeing every day? Oh, thank you so much, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here and it's a nice <laughs> distraction from all this uh, coronavirus weirdness. It certainly is kind of the same old, same old, but totally different. And um, so that's one of the most disconcerting things is uh, in one sense, work just feels like it's continuing and you know, we're doing our best to help customers and keep our projects moving along. Um, but at the same yeah. time, of course, our home lives are disrupted and there's no cars on the road, no yeah, airplanes it's very, very in the different. sky. Um, and it seems never really, at least in my time, I've never really had to go through anything close to this. So it's a, it's a big adjustment. Um, luckily, we're able to work from home and not t- see too much slowdown in it from a business standpoint. I were to record these episodes remote. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, I guess there's some things to be thankful for from that standpoint. But overall, yeah, it's, it's just continuing to kind of handle this as it goes and changes day by day. Um, let's see. So I think one of the best ways I usually have guests kind of start this episode or start an episode out would be to give a quick introduction about yourself. Anything that you might be able to share would be, would be great, um, on your, you know, kind of history in the tech space, kind of how you got into the role that you're in at IBM and just anything you think is relevant to our audience. Okay. That sounds easy. Um, so my name is Sky Matthews. I'm the, uh, CTO for what we call engineering lifecycle management solutions. Uh, and that's part of our AI applications division. So we have now of course AI cloud platform, and then we also have a set of AI applications that are you know targeted at solving specific problems in different industries. And, um, one of the industries that we focus on mm-hmm. is the, engineering industry, manufacturing customers who are building complex uh, products uh, that are increasingly connected. So connected cars, planes, trains, buildings, uh, you know, you, you name it. And so those tools, those industries increasingly need um, tools to manage the engineering okay. process. And so that that is part of what we provide. Of course, they use hundreds of tools and we don't provide all of them, but um, we provide ones that are very central to the sort of capture of requirements, the engineering, uh, the systems engineering, sort of high level design, 
uh, testing and, and sort of agile development process. So that's my main focus, mm -hmm. but our, um, our Internet of Things group, uh, sort of within AI applications, actually has four sort of four main apps: the, um, the engineering lifecycle that I talked about, uh, what we call uh, enterprise asset management. So, think of it as the sort of the other side of those complex products. Once they're built, uh, somebody buys them and puts them into operation. So those could be, you know vehicles in a mine or, you know, power transformers in a uh, power plant, um, you know, what, what have you. And the management of those assets uh, has a whole complex process around it, you know, the maintenance and um, upkeep and uh, you know, troubleshooting and so on. And so the enterprise asset management product line deals with that. And then we have another product line for dealing with um, facilities. So uh, specifically, you know, buildings, uh, handling everything from the sort of floor space allocation to energy utilization to, um, you know, space planning and occupancy um, and all, all those kinds of aspects of operating a, uh, a large facility. And then the fourth area is sort of underpins all of those. And that's a enterprise scale IOT platform that you okay. can use to connect devices, collect data, uh, you know, run analytics and rules against that data and, um, you know, and then apply machine learning and, and other more sophisticated AI on top of that. So there's this, uh, that's sort of an underpinning capability that, that we integrate into all three of those vertical applications. So, so that's kind of our, our main focus. Um, you know, it's been a, an interesting path for me. I, I've been in that engineering space for, for quite a while. Um, and I started in the telecom space where it was sort of the, the first really digital complex product, if you will, with a lot of software in it. Um, and uh, coming out of that, you know, we started applying those same tools and processes to mm -hmm. other complex products as those increasingly became software driven. So, you know, aerospace, defense, uh, automotive, uh, yep. you know, and, and since sort of automotive is, has undergrown uh, an incredible growth in the complexity of um, software and now AI embedded in those, uh, in those products. So mm -hmm. that's sort of my original um, focus and how I came. And then when uh, IOT started sort of becoming a significant um, thing in the marketplace around 2013, 2014. Uh, I connected with some of my colleagues right. over on the asset management side of things to start looking at how connectivity was going to start impacting the product life cycle all the way from upfront design and engineering through to um, operation and, uh, and, and maintenance and asset management. And so out of, out of that, we decided to launch, uh, the IOT as a, as a sort of integrated line of business, um, in 2014, brought those existing products together, combined with uh, a whole growth initiative on some new solutions and, um, building out the IOT cloud platform underneath. So that's fantastic. That's so when you compare and kind of think about how other large players in the, in the industry are basically positioning themselves, how do you compare that to the way you all are positioning yourselves and how would you kind of, exp I guess, explain that to somebody who's asking the difference between IBM and, you know, some of these other large players, like let's say Amazon or Google or, or, or Microsoft kind of thing. 
Yeah, always a tough question. Um, and, and it's been an interesting evolution for us. You know, I, I think initially when IoT sort of exploded on the scene, everybody had a race to build their IoT platform, you know, and we ended up with dozens or hundreds of them. And, and there was kind of a mad rush to connect devices and, and start getting data. And then there's sort of a realization, I think, within a lot of our customers of the kind of, well, now, right. we, you know, we didn't, we really want to see some business mm-hmm. results out of this. And, and in particular, the larger enterprises, um, you know, I, I think tended to take a much more focused approach on, well, how are we going to use this to change a business process? You know, something that our organization delivers day to day and is the core to our business. It's not just about, you know, connecting things. We got to drive value 100%. from that. And so we saw, we saw then, and, and we undertook a kind of shift um, away from pure platform focus to how are we going to use those capabilities to enhance the business processes that we were already, you know, working closely with those customers on the engineering, the, um, you know, the, the manufacturing process, the asset uh, management and, and operations. So that's really been the evolution over the past uh, three years or so is saying, all right, this, you know, connecting is, is old story. Now it's really about how we make it mm-hmm. easy as possible to, um, you know, to change your business process and to incorporate IOT into that. Yeah, I, I, So I'd say that's probably our, our biggest okay. difference is that we were more focused on those, you know, on those vertical Very applications true. and the connectivity is just a, a means to an yeah. end. So frankly, whether it's our, our cloud or Amazon or Microsoft or whoever, um, at the end of the day, of course, we'd always prefer that the customers go to IBM Cloud, but it really yep. doesn't matter. And and it's increasingly becoming about, you know, hybrid and using whatever resources is best suited for a particular job. Um, and then, you know, and we yeah, can integrate I, I that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting. Um, you kind of recognize some of the same things that we did, which is, um, you know, when the IoT markets got its start, everybody was just building a platform and just assumed if we build a platform, someone will come and use it. But in reality, most of these organizations right. who um, were looking at IoT or some of the early adopters of IoT solutions um, are not always technical individuals. They don't know how to build on top of a platform. So if you give them a platform, they don't know what to do with it. So you needed people within organizations or other organizations who understood the, the platform's technology to kind of come in and be somewhat of a systems integrator and help hold their hand through the process in order to take you know the, the technology components, put them together, run them through the platform, and actually churn out a solution that they can apply to their business to achieve some goal. And until that became understood, exactly. um, I think a lot of companies were in a very tough spot. And that's why we saw endless number of IoT platforms. Like everybody had an IoT platform, but it, that meant nothing mm-hmm. to the companies that would actually be running an application on it. Maybe there are people that would develop on top of it, but the companies who are actually looking for solutions to their business and not just selling solutions to companies, um, or IoT solutions to companies, they, they really needed that kind of guidance. And we weren't getting that for, I think, a very large portion of the early days of IoT. Um, 
it was more of a, you know, build it. If you build it, they will come type philosophy. And that just wasn't the case. And I think we're starting to see that transformation now, which is very exciting because we're learning that there's going to be a number of platforms, but it's really the application of that full solution at the end of the day that actually churns out that value and hopefully produces the ROI for organizations around every industry to make IoT kind of reach that potential that we're all been hoping for for the last, you know, seven plus years. Yeah, exactly. That's certainly been uh, our experience and, and um, you know, the, the learning learning that we've had over the past four or five years. Absolutely. So when you guys engage with a customer or somebody comes to work with your IoT team to build a solution uh, or deploy a solution, what is that typical customer engagement like? like who are you all uh, targeting? Are you targeting organizations that can then s- sell um, solutions on top of your platform to other other companies? Or are you looking at, do people come to you directly and you have a team internally that helps build solutions for a particular organization um, to, to deploy, uh, you know, within, whether it's to their own customers or to the, in, the, whether in their own organization? How are you guys approaching that? And what does that typically look like in most cases? Well, probably won't shock you if I say, given the scope of IBM, <laughs> yeah. all of the above, but... Um, it, but there really is a more common pattern, which is, you know, the enterprises and those can range from the, the smaller uh, scale to, of course, you know, the absolute largest, um, you know, tend to come um, not just looking for a particular problem. We have those, but quite often they, they come to IBM because they really know that they are on a journey mm-hmm. of digital transformation and that they need some help um you know, guiding that journey and, and making it so that, you know, they can incrementally grow towards that goal without it being, you know, just incredibly disruptive. And so those are okay. maybe our best examples is when the, there's a realization at the very top of the organization that, you know, to, to remain competitive and, and to differentiate themselves, you know, they have to embrace this digital transformation because it's, you know, it's not just going to affect right. one aspect of the business. Ultimately, it's going to affect right. everything. And the ones I've seen that are perhaps the most compelling are the ones that, you know, realize that they can leverage that digital transformation to engage mm-hmm. their customers better. And it, and it sounds kind of trite, but there's some really good examples we've had of that where they, you know, just use, again, use IoT as a means to an end to make themselves more visible and, and more exciting to their end customer. Like we have one customer in um, in Finland, uh, Kone, which manufactures elevators and escalators, and, and they're using a, a range of our solutions to you know, manage right. that elevator as a service, essentially, um, keep it up and running, but also actually to deliver a more sort of delightful experience to the end user of that elevator, not just the building owner, whoever, but um, you know, in certain apartment buildings that get new elevators, for example, you get an app on your phone and as you approach the building, it connects and you know says, you know, hey, your your resident on floor twenty three needs an elevator. The elevator is like waiting for you as you walk in the door, which is really, um, you know, quite amazing and, and just provides a more mm-hmm. seamless, rich experience of of that product to uh, to the end user. So this, those are the really interesting examples where they're, you know, using digitization to 
bring a whole new level Absolutely. of uh, So know, let me ask you this then. How are you all, are there any pieces of an IoT solution that you all do not do in-house? Like, are you guys partnering with other organizations? And if so, how do you guys approach partnerships and, and where, what kind of value are you looking for when it comes to partnering with other organizations to help provide additional value or different pieces of a full IoT solution when you're engaging with customers? Because it sounds like you, you know, you have these customers come to you um, knowing that they are going through this digital transformation journey, but maybe they don't know where to begin or they're a little bit, you know, further along than um, like it could be either one of out of two, you know, not really know where to begin or kind of have an idea of where to start, but looking for someone to kind of help them along the journey. And you guys seem to be able to provide value across the board in bringing that solution to market uh, for them. So I'm just curious, do you all do this all in-house or do you work with partners in certain areas? Like let's say for the hardware instance, are you going outside to bring hardware partners in? And if so, how, what's your all overall approach to partnerships since IOT in general is a very partnership centric um, ecosystem that, you know, is almost required for IOT success in most cases. Oh, it's really essential. I, I think that, you know, it's, we wouldn't pretend for a second that we cover all of IOT and that we can deliver, you know, end to end by ourselves mm -hmm. a, a whole IOT solution. Um, and so we will literally partner with anybody in any aspect of, of that. IoT, you know, spectrum, um, but where we see it most commonly is certainly hardware. We, we are not, uh, you know, manufacturing IoT hardware, um, so we we definitely have partnerships around uh, hardware. Um, you know, more generally, in that, you know, essentially any hardware that the customer brings and wants to connect, we can find a way to do that. Um, and the earlier they sort of you know, connect the hardware manufacturer with us, the better, but, um, we, we can do that at any point. And then the connectivity itself, of course, you, you know, the, the range of connectivity options that are out there, you know, we're not a, a cell provider right. or a telecom operator. So we don't you know, really provide any of the, the native, um, underlying connectivity. And so we certainly have extensive partnerships, uh, with, with, uh, telecoms and, in many, many geographies. Um, but, you know, right from the top down, I mean, one of the key partnerships actually is in the system integrator space. Even though IBM is a system integrator, we're not the preferred integrator for everybody. And, and there are lots of places where, you know, the customer mm -hmm. has an existing relationship and, and they wouldn't, you know, go with a, a different integrator, but the IBM technologies, you know, would provide some value. We would happily work with and have lots of partnerships with different system integrators around the world. Um, and then on the, you know, sort of cloud stack, if you will, all the, the software needed um, along the way, uh, there, there are lots of opportunities for integration, everything from, you know, the sort of time series data store to the analytics to the cloud platforms. Um, and so we, you know, we, we certainly try not to, um, you know, require or force a particular solution in, in any sort of aspect of the, of the IOT ecosystem. Um, that being said, you know, we, we certainly have our focus areas around the applications that I talked about up front, but yeah, Absolutely. so the ecosystem is hugely important and, and those partnerships are, uh, very fundamental to our business. Great, great. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, so I want to shift focus just a little bit to, um, to talk a little bit more about some topics, um, 
not directly connected to to IBM and the, and the way you all operate, but more so from an industry perspective. So talking about 5G uh, in particular, at least starting there. And I wanted to get your opinion on the way 5G will be impacting um Let's focus here on enterprises for for this discussion uh, as it comes to market and becomes more widely available. Um, we know for the most part how it will impact consumers uh, with our smartphones and other applications that we use. But can you talk a little bit more to how you, how you view the impact 5G will have on enterprises? Um, I think I think it's something that that is not as made apparent to to most people on a daily basis. Yeah, um, but uh, I'll, I'll sort of approach it by saying I'm a little bit of a contrarian, and I'll, I'll give you a you know a perspective that I think the five G hype is is slightly overblown yep. in the near term, and I worry about the you know the ramifications mm -hmm. of that um, because there's there's really you know there's technically nothing that you can do with five G today that you couldn't do with some other you know, mechanism. That said, I do think that 5G is going to be transformative, but it's going to take multiple years to, to manifest. And, and really what's going to drive it is that, um, you know, sort of like the early days of IoT itself, you know, it wasn't until the sensors dropped to a certain cost level and the combination of, you know, cloud processing and, and sort of, you know, more widely available connectivity kind of suddenly dropped it to an affordability level that, that made mm -hmm. it explode. Um, and the same thing is going to happen with the sort of networking infrastructure where, at some point in the not too distant future, the build out of the 5G infrastructure is going to provide much more cost flexibility and, and more, um, you know, uh, connectivity options for, for different use cases that will start to remove some of the obstacles that still exist for, for certain applications and will you know, again, sort of slowly, it won't happen overnight, but slowly make things pervasive that, you know, we sort of dream about today, but, but can't scale. Uh, one example I, I use a lot is autonomous vehicles. You know, we all know that they're, they're coming, but those things, are, you know, they generate an enormous amount of data, you know, terabytes per day. And it's not, economically scalable to send that data. Um, and yet, you know, if you want to operate that vehicle fleet safely at, at scale and, and profitably, that cost of transmitting data is going to have to drop dramatically. Um, and the connectivity will have to be more reliable than it is today, you know, more coverage, um, more, more continuous, uh, all that kind of thing. And those are the sorts of problems and gaps that we have that will, again, over time, 5G will will certainly transform. Um, but I don't think it'll happen overnight. And so the impact is going to be to sort of slowly remove those business obstacles um, for, for large enterprises to scale up what they probably already have running as various experiments today. Um, but it's in many ways, you know, not practical to to scale a business that's heavily reliant on large scale connectivity and, and data uh, transmission at the moment. 
the other impact is that as that infrastructure is being built out, you know, it's it's a tremendous capital investment in the network. And along with that, um, we're going to be placing a lot more compute power throughout the network. And so the the flip side of 5G, and these things often get sort of married, but I think a lot of people don't understand why, is that um, 5G will make a lot more processing power mm-hmm. available at the edge, not because that's inherently required for 5G or that there's anything special about the 5G standards that you know push processing right. to the edge but just because of that capital investment you know so suddenly it's an opportunity to put more compute power throughout the network and so that's going to drive mm-hmm. all kinds of interesting effects you know it, it will it will again over time change the nature of okay you know what what cloud computing means um, and make it much more distributed than it is today. So can you talk a little bit more about that um, kind of that cloud piece? So let's say one of the things that was mentioned before we started talking was hybrid multi-cloud and that kind of combination with edge computing and the impact it'll have in 5G because can you just kind of explain to our audience what that what hybrid multi-cloud means um, and how basically how that compares to, you know, using a single cloud, for instance, um, and then and then the impact it's going to have on 5G combining it with edge computing. Sure. So so hybrid really refers to a, a combination of, you know, running things uh, inside a local firewall, like within my enterprise in, in a local data center or, you know, whatever compute facilities I, I have in my enterprise where traditionally, you know, all the workloads were running, right? So that's been the historical place for, you know, running my enterprise computing requirements. Um, over the last few years, of course, we've seen the explosion of, of cloud and these cloud platforms have, you know, all kinds of sort of new middleware and new technologies that are interesting for composing you know, which you know as microservices or, or building new, you know, cloud scale applications. And so what hybrid cloud is about is basically making those same middleware components available anywhere, you know, from on my, you know, in, in my data center on, on premise or in the cloud or even on, you know, a, a compute f- facility somewhere out in the network that's not a cloud data center and it's not my data center. Right. Um, but if I, the more I sort of spread that, uh, you know, compute model all over the place, then I now have the power to move the applications that were previously stuck in my data center wherever they need to be. So I can keep certain things running in the data center if that's the most effective or I have security constraints that that require that. I can shift certain loads to the cloud and then ultimately I'll be able to shift things, you know, more pervasively out in other parts of the network, you know, closer to, um, you know, to, for, for example, where the processing might need to be done for a factory or, or for a remote, um, you know, power node on the grid or something like that. So there, there'll be all kinds of interesting use cases for pushing certain computing workloads out more distributed into the network, um, which is what we're calling edge computing. And the ability to sort of approach all of those different scenarios in a more seamless, holistic way and sort of dynamically choose 
where I want to run something based on various conditions. That that is sort of the ultimate goal of this you know hybrid cloud uh, environment. And there's going to be a really big benefit for customers who, um, who who go that way in their flexibility, uh, their ability to manage cost and and to um, you know, optimize the solution for their particular problem. But along with that, there's some really big challenges. So, you know, now you're having to manage those workloads and, and that's, um, you know, that's something that we've been particularly focused on. And we, we released that (laughs) recently launched uh, something called edge manager, which is essentially leveraging some of that hybrid cloud technology to be able to um, manage the distribution of some of those workloads out to edge computing nodes. So if we were to take this and talk a little bit more specifically about the design of IOT products or connected products. Can you add on to what you kind of just said on how the growth of edge computing and the growth of 5G um, will be impacting the design of whether it's a product itself, the whole system, you know, take it whichever direction you prefer, but just kind of talking a little bit more to that point, because I think it's a really interesting one when a lot of our, especially since a lot of our audience um, is involved in the development of IOT products and solutions. And they're probably curious as to how, Edge computing and 5G, the two topics we're talking about right here, um, will impact the the growth and change the design potentially of of the actual end product. Yeah, it's a topic I love near and dear to my heart, and and um, you know we've kind of seen this coming for a while, but the sort of traditions of developing product are are closely ingrained in a lot of these product manufacturers have been you know in business for a long time doing things a certain way and so there's kind of a built-in assumption today that you know we we build a product it's got processors in it we'll run software on there um you know we know how to build embedded software we've been doing it for a long time but the you know this sort of evolution of um you know the the sort of networking technology and the blur of you know where computing gets done means that they have to rethink some of those assumptions to really take advantage of that next generation computing environment you know you, you won't have to run everything that that you need to um, to run this product it doesn't all have to run on the product itself right. anymore um, we see that now with the use of IoT platforms and offloading some of the data analytics or, you know, predictive maintenance type stuff into the cloud. Um, but we'll be able to do much more in terms of even, you know, the end function that that can run anywhere. Sure, some of it may have to run on the product, but um, but some of it can run wherever you need it. Uh, and the nature of that content can be way more dynamic. So we know that products can update software now, but it's really not um, in most manufacturers. It's not a sort of deeply ingrained part of their delivery process yet. They're they're not doing continuous integration, continuous delivery, you know, the way that we would for some piece of cloud software. And that is going to change. Um, and I think that the the sort of hybrid computing environment will bring the sort of traditional embedded product development and the sort of cloud computing product development 
you know, life cycles uh, and processes much more closely together because you, you'll really be mixing them both. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how that evolves. Um, it will require a lot of rethinking of the process of building those products and, and managing them um, well beyond when they leave the factory floor. Yeah. I'm very curious to see how things kind of just evolve and change over the rest of this year, not just, you know, aside from what's happening with, with the virus and, and so forth, but just with the new technologies, you know, with the evolution of 5g. And I, if you've heard any of our previous episodes, when 5g's come up, I am a, I'm on the same page as you as talking about how I think the, the buildup right now is very premature. It's a little overblown. Um, it's, it's not, yeah. it, it's, it does well from a marketing standpoint. If you go to any tech conference over the last year, 5G is the focus and it's, you know, right. everyone, I don't want to say people are un, uneducated, but they're being kind of blinded by the marketing um, efforts ab- about the potential for, or the the real realistic, um, I guess, deployment and, and, and timeline for 5G. When I feel, still think we're a little ways out from 5G really, really um, impacting um IOT and and just us as enterprises and consumers and I think they don't shed enough light on more of the um, I'd say practical connectivity options that cover a wider range of use cases that are probably better suited from a um, just the way the technology is built from from latency from bandwidth etc and also from a cost perspective to deploy solutions and I think for us mm-hmm. um, the solutions that are really kind of building up the adoption for a lot of organizations will not need 5G. It'll be overkill to use from a technology perspective. And I don't think there's enough ta- enough time has been dedicated to other technologies like LP WAN technologies, um, you know, MBIOT, um, uh, LTEM, uh, LoRa, et cetera. And those are the ones I think are driving a lot of use cases that are, are relevant now. And we're spending a lot of time being kind of shown what 5G could potentially do, but not a lot of time talking about the reality of it. Um, so it's really interesting to hear perspectives from someone in your position at a very large company to see that you kind of feel the same way at times uh, with some of those things. So um, it's it's nice to kind of hear that from somebody else and not just me and a few other people we talk to. But um, but yeah, it's it's always an interesting perspective to kind of just just get a sense on how other people are viewing five G and hope you know hopefully I'm not the only one who thinks that's a little bit premature at this time. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear I'm not <laughs> the only one too. <laughs> um, so let's shift a little bit away from specifically talking about five G and so forth, and I wanted to ask from 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 you know the view you all have on the market and the way you've viewed IOTs you know for the last number of years. What are you seeing as the largest challenges that are affecting IoT adoption and the success of IoT, maybe as an industry as a whole? So we've talked a lot about the fragmentation of the market on past episodes. We talked about that, which then kind of lends itself to the importance of partnerships. We talk a lot about the technology and how different components are maybe not mature enough yet, or the cost isn't low enough to make make to make it it makes sense from an ROI perspective for companies to utilize those technologies to solve their problems. And there really isn't another technology available that does it well enough at the right cost for it to make sense to use. Um, We also talk about hardware. Hardware is usually sometimes the difficult part of a um, IoT solution that sometimes, depending on obviously the use case, takes a little bit more time um, and runs into just by the nature of itself, more problems in the software side. So 
from your perspective, are there any individual kind of challenges that you kind of stay at the forefront of your mind that you think that our industry really needs to focus on to figure out ways around or to solve, um, or maybe just keep, uh, be aware of to that are influencing adoption and success in IOT? Well, those are all really good ones. Um, I guess in the vein of not wanting to be redundant, I'll give you a couple of new ones that, that I've certainly seen. Um, one is maybe more of a pet peeve of mine, but I, but I do think it's, uh, it's an obstacle and that is, you know, I, I personally have run into many organizations, you know, especially the, the more, let's say, you know, technically savvy ones where the engineers all, you know, they understand the technology quite well and, and that's fantastic, you know, but then they want to build it themselves. So that they're, you know, from ground up building their own IOT platforms or their own, you know, uh, sort of cloud, uh, environment. And, and I, I always was a little bit saddened, not just because, you know, that makes less of a role for us potentially, but because it's, it's a waste of, an organization's resources to build what is, you know, fundamentally readily available and at low cost, you know, just yeah. because you can, I, I don't see any enterprise that, you know, can do it cheaper than Amazon, Microsoft, you know, Google, IBM. It's just not, you know, it's not realistic. And yet a lot of IT organizations do end up sort of building their own infrastructure um, for for IoT, and that means that's you know that many resources that are just building infrastructure and not yeah. building value add. And I think that's something that is a huge um, gap that means that they won't progress very fast on sure. on the real. I agree with that value. completely. And I know you mentioned there's another piece you wanted to want want to chat about, but I want to jump in and, and say, I, I definitely agree because yeah. a lot of organizations. And when I, when we talk to other companies, we talk about how there are companies out there that are trying to do everything for an IOT solution. And it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense because of those reasons you mentioned, especially when it comes to cost, which is usually a huge driver to, uh, when it comes to IOT adoption for organizations, cause they're very cost sensitive. So trying to do everything, yep. I mean, IOT solutions in general is, is, has lots of different components and, and it's trying to say you can do the hardware, the connectivity, the cloud piece, you know, the application side, all yourself is, is, it's not realistic for anyone because if that was the case, then every company, right. like right. all the big companies would be doing it. I mean, if you just look at just my, have a little bit more familiarity with like the Amazon and, and Google relationship, they don't do all the pieces for a reason. And I'm, you know, just like you all from our conversation today, I'm learning is you don't do every piece yourself. You partner with organizations who specialize in, in it because they're able to draw, drive down the costs for the whole solution. Then when you put it all together to be affordable and make sense from an ROI perspective. So, you know, running into companies that I've come across and say, Oh, we do everything from hardware to connectivity. It's just, it's insane to me. And I just feel like it's not, it's not true. And okay. there's companies out there that are getting pushed down the path and being like, Oh, you guys do everything yourselves. I'll work with you because the other company who maybe is more experienced doesn't do everything in themselves. So I want someone who does it all themselves. And then they just run into problems. You run into, you know, um, just, just things you just right. physically can't know everything about all those 
different components of an IoT solution um, all in, in one place. And if you could, then the IBMs, the Amazons, the Googles, the Microsofts would be doing the hardware, the connectivity, everything themselves. And there's a reason they're not. And I think that's something that people need to pay a little bit more attention to. Yep, absolutely right. And, uh, you know, in increasingly in the world where, you know, these computing stacks are becoming so readily available, you know, I, I just don't see the point of going and, you know, building and managing yep. your own. It's um, it's a waste of 100% energy. 100% agree. Um, so was there another point? I think I feel like you mentioned there were two challenges that you wanted to focus on. Okay, what was the other one? Yeah. Well, the other one was was one I already touched on, but I'll, I'll just give it a little different spin, and that is that um, you know the for, for the companies that are building connected products, you know they're really going to have to um, you know relook at their development processes. You know the the way that they think about this product and its life cycle is you know fundamentally changing, and if they're not thinking about you know delivering value all through its life, then they're going to be left behind. And that's something I, I see some leading edge companies certainly thinking that way and, and doing very innovative things. Um, but far too many are, are sort of still stuck in the, you know, the mindset of the nineties or early two thousands, as far as you know, what, what their product does and, and what it's right. going to be. No, capable I totally of. agree. Those are great points. Um, so I appreciate you kind of adding that to the, to the challenges conversation, which we've had many times, but it's always good to get a different perspective on it. Um, as we wrap up here, I want, I have two kind of final questions. Um, the, the first one is what are your thoughts about the IOT space now that everything is kind of going on with the coronavirus and how are you seeing it impact business from, from IBM's viewpoint and, um, and maybe even just your own personal viewpoint uh, and how it may kind of influence the rest of this year, because there's a lot of uncertainty around, around Corona and we're not sure what's going to happen. But in your mind, how are you kind of approaching that from a thought process standpoint? Well, I'll give you a personal viewpoint. I think, you know, the, I mean, the, the world is going to evolve and, and learn from this Um you know, very quickly. And I don't know that, um, you know, I, I don't know that, any organization yet has really a cohesive viewpoint on, on what the outcome is going to be. But I think this is a transformative event and it's really going to, you know, things are not going to be the same after, you know, even once things settle down, I, th I think that the, the understanding of how connected our world is and how connected our systems are, um, you know, it, it's just made so glaringly clear here that, that everything that we thought of as sort of standalone things like hospitals, like grocery stores, you know, they are so connected now. And there are so many, you know, life critical dependencies throughout that chain of connectivity that we have to have better visibility into how those things are working. Um, and that's obviously one of the things that sort of caught us, um, you know, unprepared is that we didn't have enough as a society visibility into, you know, things like the, you know, the availability of respirators or, or other things that were going to be needed to, um, you know, to, to fight off this kind of uh, pandemic. And so this is going to make us you know, make uh, global leaders and industry leaders, you know, much more aware of the importance of visibility into, you know, 
supply chain is maybe too trivial, you know, sort of value chain or connectivity chain, um, all the interdependencies in these systems that, that make them work. And we have to know in sort of real time where things are. So I think, you know, there's, there's lots of opportunities out of this for, for IOT. There's, there's lots of drivers now, I think for, um, every organization to get better insight into its operation and, and how that connectivity is going to affect that organization's mission. So I, I see it as a, a watershed moment that is really going to put a lot more focus on the, the need for digitization and, and the need for you know, real-time insight into where we stand in a, in a connected world. And that's really difficult because each one of those can be done in a silo today. You know, a, a hospital can know what's inside its walls, but we're not really set up for, you know, seeing that data across those, you know, across organizations. And, and that's going to be the, the big challenge going forward is how do we get more transparency into the, the whole chain across multiple organizations. I mean, really yeah, huge no, I totally challenge. Agree. I'm very curious to see how the IoT industry takes upon, takes this kind of uh, this event on from a challenge for side of things um, to build solutions to help monitor and control outbreaks yeah. in the future. I think a lot of organizations are already working on solutions. There's obviously things out there that have been tried before, um, but I'm very curious from a um, just being so close to the IoT industry now, seeing what comes out of it and what we're able to kind of change for the better um, after a situation like this happens. I think if, the, you know, if there's a good side to this, obviously, you know, there's a lot of tragedy, but if there's a good side, it will be that it will spur an incredible amount of energy and, and Absolutely. innovation. I, I totally agree. It's kind of the way our country's always been. And I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah. Um, so last thing I want to ask you is just anything new, exciting kind of that we could be on the lookout for coming out of um, IBM and the IOT section of IBM um, in the next number of months. I know there were some things that were talked about ahead of time, like a digital twin exchange, um, you know, other digital transformation solutions for asset management. So I just wanted to see if there's anything you wanted to kind of throw out at the end for audience that we should kind of be on the lookout for um, and stay up to date on. Sure, I'll throw out a couple of things. I uh, uh, appreciate the question. Um, the digital twin exchange, I think, is certainly very interesting um, because it, you know we've talked a lot about digital twin as an industry, and, and there's a lot of confusion around exactly what that means, which I, I won't try to resolve here. Um, but one of the key, one of the keys to making digital twin sort of work and deliver value is that it, it's got to be a sort of exchange between you know, all, all the sort of parties in that chain. So, you know, if you want a digital twin of a, of a hospital, then the manufacturers of the equipment, like the respirators and so on, you know, have to be able to provide that hospital with the twin artifacts that are relevant to their equipment. And that's what our digital twin exchange is, is really designed to do is to allow manufacturers and operators and other parties in the ecosystem to actually exchange that, you know, digital twin artifacts um, so that we can really start integrating digital twin um, you know, across that value chain. So I think that's, that's pretty exciting early days yet, but, uh, but I'm really enthused about the opportunity for that. And, and I think this, um, 
coronavirus might, you know, really put a highlight on the need for that. And then the second is the the infusion of AI. AI is very exciting, and and I think you know it's all all over the news, of course. So um, we are starting to infuse AI into those applications that I talked about up front in the engineering process and the asset management process, uh, and and we continue to to grow that as a key focus for us. So. Um, the uh, the AI in engineering is particularly interesting because it's it's one space that there hasn't right. been a lot of adoption of AI uh, yet. Um, you know, when it's complicated to use AI in the engineering of a of a product, um, but we are starting to apply it. So, for example analyzing requirements and, and other natural language artifacts to help improve the quality of them um, just to give the engineers a, a sort of boost in productivity and, and help right. them focus on more important things. So um, lots of exciting things are going to happen in the AI space as well. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, but Sky, I really appreciate your time again. Thanks so much for, for taking the time to speak amongst all this stuff going on. Uh, it was great to kind of get your perspective on these items. And hopefully we can have you back sometime later this year to talk more about just how the industry is unfolding and, and some new exciting things to, to chat about. Thank you very much, Ryan. I really appreciate the invitation and uh, it was great chatting with you today. Hi, everyone. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the IoT for All podcast with our guest, Sky Matthews of IBM. I hope you found a lot of value in our conversation today. And if you did, we'd really appreciate it if you would leave a rating or review on whichever platform you're listening to us on. And if you haven't already done so, subscribe on our social media, our newsletter, or in the IoT directory that you downloaded this episode to make sure you get the latest episodes they become available. Um, One thing I want to mention is that if you have an idea of a guest or somebody in your organization that may make a good guest for the IoT for All podcast, please feel free to shoot me an email at ryan at iotforall.com and we'll do everything we can to get them on the show. But other than that, thanks again for listening to the IoT for All podcast and we'll see you next time.